Greetings, outcasts, freethinkers, narrative questioners, dot connectors, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever realm we exist in at the moment. You are about to embark on another free first-hour episode of The Notes. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For as little as three lousy Babylon hokey pokey tokens per month, you can have access to full-length, early, and exclusive episodes. Just visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast or click the link in the episode notes to set the process in motion. It's simple, painless, and very well might make you feel tingly inside. So without further ado, please enjoy the show! This is Hunter Muse. And this is Chris Snipes. And you are listening to The Melt. First of all, I want to apologize for the sound quality of this episode. For whatever reason, my preferred recording mode putzed out on me and so I was left with the plan B mode, hence the AM radio sound of the chat. Having gotten that out of the way, today's show is a special one in the way that it's divided. The first free hour contains a great chat that we had with the chiropractor and author Dr. William Trebbing, where we talk with him about his book Goodbye Germ Theory and much more. And the second hour contains an interview with his wife and child therapist, Dr. Julia Trebbing, about the effect of the COVID malarkey on children both physically and mentally, and much more. They both were really wonderful and informative conversations. I start off the conversation by asking William to tell us a little about himself and what it is that he does. I am a chiropractic physician with a specialty in neurology and radiology. I've been in practice for 38 years. And in 1998, my wife and I started noticing very much increased incidences of uh, what we used to call mental retardation. Mm -hmm. And now we called it autism. You know, throughout our own neighborhood, and we weren't really used to seeing it. We were also noticing that children were less vibrant everywhere. Now, I've been doing the no vaccine stance and no vaccine work ever since I was a medical student and a student in chiropractic college back in the early 80s when I learned from Gary Null. And you, you know Gary Null? I've heard Most of people him. know. Well, most people know Gary from the New York area, Gary Knoll. 
uh, wrote his encyclopedia. One of his best books was called Get Healthy Now. Uh, he had a radio show on WBAI for a long time. I think he still has that radio show. Um, lives in Manhattan. Kind of a cranky guy, but he <laughs> uh, he's in his mid-80s now. But back in the day, in the 80s, when he did a lecture, he really fired me up for the whole no vaccine thing and started talking about how vaccines were just uh, terrible for the body and mm -hmm. terrible for society. And it was really the first time I ever heard anything like this. You know, I'm, I'm a kid, I'm 23 years old and, and just fascinated by the things Gary was saying at this lecture. He was a young man back at that time, very dynamic. So uh, I went to his office and learned from him a little bit more and then just learned everything I could. Back in those days, there were no computers, so it was all pamphlets and papers. And, and uh, you had to stack everything up in your in your drawers and you know keep really good files and <laughs> Xerox copy things and pass it out and uh, mm -hmm. so when I was uh, in the mid 90s when we were had some when we were starting to have children got married um, I f felt like it was really time to do some lectures uh, for parents on uh, not vaccinating you know take your choice for not vaccinating your children because you're not doing them any favors because of all the toxins and poisons and the et al. You know, we'll get into that as well. I'm sure you've had people on, on the, your show talking about this. This is not something that your listeners will probably find uh, obtuse. <laughs> so um, this is, you know, par for the course for people who are uh, in the know. Uh, but we um, have always been this way. We've always been part of the no vaccinate your kids group. Uh, we used to call it unvaccinated, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I started noticing all this, I, I started saying, well, you know, we, I, I got to do some classes. I did some classes and then the classes got really popular. I mean, they were overflowing at the public libraries at those times. I mean, I had upwards of one time at the Greenwich, Connecticut Public Library when I first started over 150 people. Like in those days, it was unprecedented. It was actually when we had free speech. Yes, exactly. And the libraries, the public libraries would not silence you for having an anti-vaccination quote unquote lecture. Uh, anybody was allowed to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. Um, so I uh, then put the series of lectures together to form a booklet. And that was called Goodbye Germ Theory. It was the very first edition back in 1998. And we used to print it out on our computer, you know, our very expensive IBM computer and uh, with Windows 95. And, All right. Uh, you know, the HP printer. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> double-sided, go down to Kinko's, get it bound, and we used to sell it in our office for 20 bucks. I mean, it was, you know, it was just something that you know, maybe like 75 pages. Well, make a long story short, it grew to, uh, to in 2004, where I came up with six editions that uh, a publisher picked it up that was doing, you know, kind of self-publishing things, but also kind of taking a piece of it. I mean, they were called, they're called Ex Libris. They're still around now although they've been sold a million times, and they gave me a pretty good deal. So uh, I souped it up, and I, I also did a bunch of legal forms showing people how they could use their uh, different philosophical and religious rights that they have granted to them under the Constitution. We could also talk about how rights are not privileges, which they try to reduce them to. Yes. Uh, you do have a right, a God-given right, to protect your body and the body of your children, which they're you know completely trying to brainwash you away from but again i digress 
so, you know, from there, uh, the book took off and I did lectures in different, you know, parts of the country and it really sold very well grassroots and it became a, you know, a bit of a phenomenon before COVID, you know, people were really you know, interested in the simple nature of the book, the way that it just explained things without having to use a bunch of charts and arrows and, you know, things that just people didn't understand. But I, uh, I always have written very much like I speak and it's, uh, I am an educator first. Uh, doctor actually means teacher. When I became a healer, a natural physician, uh, I never gave up the teaching. I used to teach biology, chemistry, physics in high school. Uh, when I, I started teaching in high school, when I was 20 years old. And then uh, got into the medical schools and chiropractic schools and started uh, you know, changing the way I was going to do things. And I just left teaching. and But I kept it with... Uh, with my own practice and just trying to teach, you know, the truth about different aspects of natural health. And, you know, there was just an awful lot of that of fraud going on with vaccines ever since the 1970s. And anybody that retracts and uh, goes to my book, Goodbye Germ Theory, to look at it, I have a whole bunch of examples in there. And there, there were heroes back in the, in the 70s that were trying, that were in the FDA and in the CDC, believe it or not, speaking out. J. Anthony Morris is one of them, speaking out against uh, the vaccine uh, push at that time. And so the book kind of coasted for a while after 2009, 2010, didn't do much. People who didn't want to give their children vaccines kind of coasted as well. Um, we were all in the uh, no vaccination kind of uh, group, just very silent for decades we would use our religious exemption our philosophical exemption if we had it but it wouldn't come up you know for spaghetti dinners or for uh you know at the at the at the block party or anything like that you know most of the people had vaccinated their kids and you know who do you use for a pediatrician and we're like oh well <laughs> pass the potatoes you know nobody, <laughs> nobody you know nobody really talked about it we had two two children in the neighborhood and uh, when my daughter was born um I just noticed I was being pulled away a lot and I just didn't want to, you know, I, I never wanted to miss any of my kids uh, growing up. I've been here for every single stage, uh, have had a home office outside of, you know, several other offices outside, but, you know, uh, being able to be here, pick them up from school, things like that. It goes by so quickly, I never wanted to miss any of it. So um, that being the case, I stopped lecturing and then I uh, just uh, put the book out and, um, then, then in 2019, I was encouraged by a friend to do an audio version. And so I call that the seventh edition. There are some extra things in there. And so many people love the audio book because they're sticking in the car. And it's on Audible, uh, iTunes and things like that. It's selling very well. Um, right after that, it came out in December of 2019. And we all know what happened just around there. It was starting to happen. And uh, right in March of 2020, the COVID scam happened, uh, the scamdemic. And from that point forward, uh, the book just sold leaps and bounds. I, I, especially I went on the show Crow 777, which you know mm -hmm. about. Yes. Um, and uh, other podcasts. But, you know, Crow in particular, who has, you know, quite a following. Um, after I was on his show, uh, the book went to number 495 of all books sold 
on wow. Amazon. That's amazing. That was pretty good. And it was the number one medical book being sold on Amazon for about 10 days. Wow. Number one. Um, and so people wanted the information. They got the word. They got the word. Now, of course, it's nowhere near that now. Everybody's happy and, you know, back to their complacent lives. And it's back to number like, you know, one, you know, 10,000 or something. Actually, it's, it's never that high. It's, it's, it's like somewhere around in the two to three thousands right now of all books being sold on Amazon, maybe, you know, the top hundred medical books, something like that. It's still selling. People still want the info. Uh, but it tells people in a very common sense way. I call my book Medical Philosophy. Um, and I speak to common sense. It's like, you know, why would you inject mercury and toxic metals and large proteinaceous waste directly into the blood flow of your innocent little being that's trying to develop an immune system. Why would you do that? Why would you put it right into the blood? It doesn't even have the uh, the good graces of the digestive system to at least you know buffer it a little bit before it goes into the blood and you know, crosses maybe the blood-brain barrier with these toxins. It, it goes direct assault, boom, you know, right in there. You know, why why would you do that? Um, and so in talking to common sense and then also giving some ideas about how polio was really caused. And now, you know, I was the first one to talk about how polio was really caused by DDT and other springs. Now, of course, you know, Chris, you're saying, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, we know this now. I was one of the first ones saying that back then. And now, of course, you know, my good buddy, uh, Bobby Kennedy, um, is, he put it in his book and, uh, He's got a great organization now, doing great work. And uh, everybody's talking about that. Oh, yeah, we got to rethink polio. Maybe it was uh, just these toxins. Oh, you think so? You mean military men were being sprayed with it to keep lice and other insects off of them so that they wouldn't have insect-borne diseases? I mean, can you imagine just coming up to you and spraying up and down with DDT, you know, and arsenic? <laughs> You know, so we wonder, and so, okay, so maybe that's a neurotoxin. Hey, folks, the Roman Empire, okay, one of its downfalls after 500 years uh, was lead pipes. They couldn't understand why some portion of the population were becoming cripples. Neurological, there's neurological diseases happening everywhere in Rome. And they said, maybe it's this metal, this lead, brought down more than half of the civilization. I didn't know if you knew that or not. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. I did. Lead piping from you know, in the Roman Empire. So, you know, human, human nature is not without... Uh, I have a sign, a big poster actually down in, in one of my adjusting rooms um, here in the house, and it says, you know, never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> there was also and, lead in makeup, too, and lipstick. Sure. There was lead in Sony. There was lead in gasoline. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, listen, what have we lived through here? Yeah. You know? Um, so, I mean, what did George Carlin used to say? His, his, uh, his immune system was built up 
so strong because he used to swim in the East River when he was a kid. <laughs> you know, he doesn't need vaccines. He's yes. he swam in vaccines. Exactly. He swam in raw sewage. Why does he need a vaccine? That was his <laughs> that was his whole deal. And George Carlin was quite a prophet, wasn't he? I mean he For sure. If you look at any of his stuff on YouTube, you're looking at it and says, wow, we're going through this now. So, uh, again, I called out the pandemic 20 years before it happened. So, uh, well, 18. So uh, 2004, 2005, my book had a 9-11 chapter, which I talk about what's happening next. It came for your money years ago. Okay. Don't think you have any money, folks. You're all broke, and you're all owned by you know, the central bank you know the central banking system you know even if you think you own your house or you own your car you know listen that fiat currency you're carrying around in your pocket backed by nothing yep so uh and nobody really knows how it all works we used to know how it all worked when it was controlled by you know being backed by gold and silver at least you know when i was uh, 10 i could ride my bicycle down to the bank and give them a silver certificate note and they give me a silver dollar that's you know, you know. But then we're talking uh, when when Nixon ended the gold uh, standard in 1971-72, and, and this basically backed all of uh, paper fiat currency. They, the only thing backing it was your future labor. That's called slavery, right then and there. And the only way to to pay that off is through your taxes. What do you think the income taxes? Again, I digress. But uh, this is all in the book, and um, the legal section is the most popular chapter because it talks about, uh, which was more relevant back before COVID, how to get out of vaccines mm-hmm. yes. um, using your religious exemption. Still very relevant today, still very relevant today. But I think the reason it became so popular and sold four to five times as much as it ever did was because people just wanted to, an easy explanation of what the hell is going on here. And I also predicted that the vaccination police state would happen. I predicted right in chapter five. I said, there's going to be a day when they come knocking on your door and say, you're not going to be able to come out of this house unless you receive a vaccine. And so if you look at some of the reviews on Amazon, there are over 550 of them. A lot of the people are saying, you know, if I read this book in 2019, I would have given this guy one star and called him a paranoid lunatic. You know, now I call him a prophet. You know how human nature goes, right? Absolutely. You know, sometimes you don't get notoriety until you die, so I'm happy I didn't have to throw <laughs> it. <laughs> before this. So, so is that the long way around telling you how I got started and all this? I've been a, oh, no. I've been a chiropractic physician for more than half my life, uh-huh. and uh, I treat people naturally, chiropractic adjustments. I'm a disc specialist. Like I said, I'm also a neurologist and a radiologist within this field. And I, uh, I diagnosed disc disease, herniated disc, and I have a pretty cool technique, attraction technique, to pull people out of it so that they can save them from the chopping block. If you get here, you know, I have some people that just can't get here and they can't get it done. But um, So besides that and uh, offering people great chiropractic adjustments, I work with nutrition and diet and, you know, all sorts of things I've been doing over the years. But um, uh, part, practicing part-time in South Carolina – right now and also in Connecticut because we're all the craziness happening we're uh, probably going to wind up you know on John's Island in South Carolina by Charleston uh, you know down south permanently within the next few years but we do have a kid in college still up here so 
Cool. Yeah, I, I was one of the ones that listened to the audiobook, and I kept mm-hmm. having to remind myself when this was written. It, it yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so relevant today. It's amazing how much foresight yeah, you people had. people say that you know, geez, was did he write this last year or yeah, when no shit, you know? So I was one of the first ones to call it out like this because I did so much work with. Uh, money fraud before that and taxes in the 90s. I was part of a huge movement to call out the IRS on their fraud. And uh, it was popular back in that day. Now, of course, after 2001 um, and after the Patriot Act, they just don't ask any questions. It used to be that you can go into court with your with your documents and your affidavits and say, you know, there really is no law to make me file this 1040 form. And they would say, oh, we don't want to talk about that. Okay, see you later. And then they just left you alone. After 9-11 and the Patriot Act, nope, no more. Now they bash down your door, put a hood over your head, and drag you out in the middle of the night, and then we never see you again. Um, So uh, listen, gang, unfortunately, you think they haven't taken over yet, but they've already taken over. They just haven't fully told you yet. And COVID is was a testing ground to see how far they can go. Now, I don't think that they, they wanted a heck of a lot more to happen with it. That never happened. They, they were testing out global boundaries as well as local boundaries, as well as who they can control, who they can't control. Um, but don't think that they, quote unquote, they, the, the infamous they, don't have this all figured out beyond you know, every different kind of calculated scenario. <laughs> You know, if this doesn't work, they're going to try the next thing. And uh, the only thing that really works is to identify the man behind the curtain. Stop fighting with each other, if you guys can hear that. Exactly. And, you know, get together as uh, the human species, the human race, and uh, say, you know, we're just not going to take this shit anymore. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to divide us. You're not going to get us fighting. You're not going to cause these civil wars. We're not listening to you. And uh, we're not going to these stupid jobs either. Well, it really does seem like it has been a slow slog towards this. And mm-hmm. and that on some level, I think they were, the predators were surprised at how compliant people were with the masking and with the lockdowns and kind of shutting the, the whole world down. I think that that you, you nailed it when you said that this has obviously been planned and there, there have been some test runs of this over the past 30, sure. 40 years with H1N1, bird flu, Ebola, you know, and all, and all of those tests were kind of pre-internet. So mm-hmm. the internet has really been kind of used against people in some uh, ways because social media really ramped up the ability to share um, mis and disinformation. So people really bought it because they were put in a, p- a position where we weren't allowed to go to church. We weren't allowed to connect and commune face to face. It was all this communication online. Well, if you think historically how people have communicated and how the revolutionary war had, you know, was begun was probably in churches somewhere exactly people getting together in their basements around the kitchen table you know 
um, saying, you know, we're not going to take this anymore. Live free or die. And that phrase comes from people who were damn serious about, you know, we're just not going to live this way anymore. And it was less than 15% of the population that fought the Revolutionary War against King George. You know, everybody else was either sitting back or compliant with the king. So there's a huge spiritual element that goes with this. And uh, we are in the midst of a spiritual war, primarily. Indeed. Uh, what you said, you know, what you said about how you know, this was planning. Oh, yeah. Listen, and, and they're still planning. I mean, the thing that has happened that I can see primarily is this was stage one of something. Mm-hmm. And you know we've had some we've had some really good wins. You know we had the Supreme Court. I was waiting for that Supreme Court ruling, by the way, for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. You know when they said that uh, government does not have the power to mandate vaccinations on the on the private sector. Now, of course, they were talking about military, and they're still fighting that. They were talking about government contractors, and they're still fighting that. We still made some progress on that, but the Supreme Court came through and said, "Nope, nope, can't do it." And this is when Biden had the all of the um, all the businesses with 100 people or more had to, you know, right. institute vaccinations, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and that would have trickled its way down to 50 or more, 25 or more. And that would have trickled its way into my office with, you know, the three girls I have working for me at the front desk, you know, <laughs> and that would have trickled its way to my license. Show your proof of vaccination before you yeah. can renew your medical license. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, or your barber's license. Uh, then it would have gone to get the tattoo on your wrist before you can walk into the grocery store. I mean, listen, so these goals are still there. They just didn't get it this time. And they probably knew they weren't going to get it right the first time. And look at what happened when when COVID was around, right? I mean, what happened simultaneously when we were all supposedly locked down? By the way, you know, Hunter, you had said that, uh, you know, when people were so compliant when this first happened, yeah, they were scared shitless, mm-hmm. right? Everywhere over the media, this is very carefully planned. Look, 9-11, COVID, two of the biggest scams of our lifetime, okay, uh, that have happened. Um, and don't think they push the button randomly they push the button at very specific times astrologically uh and they know where the where where they're at with uh you know economically um these buttons get pushed at a very calculating way calculated way the next calculation who the hell knows when it's going to be but um what they were doing during covid was they putting up all these 5g towers everywhere when everybody was you know supposedly locked down um, I was one of the few that never did anything. I just pretended it didn't exist. Kept my office open, never wore a mask. Walked into grocery stores, never you know wearing a mask. You know, I, I, I used to see how many places I'd get kicked out of. It was a sport. Um, but even if I was getting kicked out, if I could use self checkout, I always did that. I just ignored the people. You know, just kind of walked right back in again. Talked to a couple of police and said, you know, you can't be in here without a mask. I said, yes, I can, because you know I have a medical exemption. And the cop asked me. This is like at the very beginning of it. And they, they used to put cops like right outside a stop and shop <laughs> here in Stanford, Connecticut, you know? And I said, what's your medical condition? I said, I'm sane. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, okay, I got you. Just you know, go on, move along. You know, he didn't want any more trouble from, from me. Um, but, you know, I it, look, you got to take a stand, folks. 
everybody out there, you got to take a standard. This just doesn't get better. The only reason that they keep doing all this crap that they're doing, transgender, no gender bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I curse on this show? Of course you can. Hey, yeah. Um, all the crap that they're putting out there, uh, the, the child sex trafficking, the human organ trafficking, the uh, all the stuff that's been going on for decades that is coming to light right now. This stuff is not new. It's just coming out. All of it, all at once, people are starting to see it. And as long as you see it and you don't do anything about it, listen, at this stage in the game, you're complicit. You've got to do something. You got to speak out. You got to tell your neighbors. You got to say, you know, man, I tell I'm not going to take this shit anymore. Otherwise, they just keep doing it, and they will keep at it. They are relentless at destroying the family and uh, the human collective, and they want to make everybody into a, a drone slave. What I was talking about was they put up all these five G towers. Now, they're supposedly five G towers, but have you taken a look at these things? Have you driven by them? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they are. Every they look like something like that's going to cause some harm to me at some point in time. For sure, they look like I. I do you trust them? I don't trust them. What are the What are they? You see them on water towers. Do I want those things yeah. on my water towers? Exactly. Yeah. It looks like a weapon. Every everywhere I go, my wife and I look at this stuff all the time. We everywhere we go, my wife was was so during COVID. She was just, she was so into like. Like you know, taking pictures of them and and count and, and like you know just categorizing them because they were go- they were going up everywhere, and we just saw a new one today in the, in Old Greenwich when we were having uh, dinner at, behind the firehouses. Some other new monstrosity that went up, and people just are like la di da, yeah okay, just for internet I can get my download you know five seconds faster, and you know yeah I don't think so. These things are everywhere and they're practically every half a mile. Uh, what are they going to do with them? It's already been, it's already been proven that microwave radiation, focused as a blanket, can cause massive hemorrhaging in the brain and also massive lung inflammation. So at the push of a button, they could just make everybody drop dead. I think now with all this stuff out there, or they could do it selectively. And we're letting them do all this stuff. I mean, and when COVID came up, that's when that's when they put all this stuff up. And people say, "Ah, oh, you're paranoid." Yeah, this guy's paranoid. Oh yeah, okay. Well, I guess I was paranoid in 2004 as well when I told you what was going to happen with the vaccination police state. <laughs> you know, I don't trust any of this stuff anywhere. There are towns here in Connecticut that have that have uh, prohibited 5G apparatuses going up in their town. Easton is one. I think Weston is another, uh, and there are towns throughout the U.S. that won't that won't let this. I think in West Virginia is a completely uh, no microwave zone. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, but there there are very few places. I mean, it's you drive as we do drive up and down the East Coast, traveling between the North and and South in uh, home, the two homes that we have. Uh, you see this stuff everywhere, and you know you wonder, okay. Yeah, I don't wonder. I know. I mean, what, what they're using this for whatever the next phase is. Uh, they could be holographic theirs. You know, who knows what they're going to you know, project into the sky. Would, will, will aliens be coming or will it be the face of Jesus? You know, we don't know. Um, and the you know, sky is the limit at this point, you know, with depending on when they feel like rolling out the next thing. But um, we all have to be uh, vigilant 
within our own consciousness and start realizing what's really important in our lives. Well, what's really important is each other. You know, people who are close to us, people we love, our families, our neighbors, our communities, the people we can help, people we can serve. Um, and slowly but surely, they've taken a lot of this away from us. And we've got to do our best to get back to it, because honestly, it's going to be the only thing that saves us. And they know it's the only thing that saves us, because every human being is connected through the heart, okay, through that spark of God consciousness, whatever you want to call it. You can call it universal flow. You can call it God consciousness. You can call it Yahweh. You can call it whatever you want. But there is a spark of Holy Spirit, as the Christians say, or Shakti, as the Hindus would say, uh, that everybody feels flowing through your heart, and that's what connects us all. It's what, it's what keeps us from committing atrocities on each other. It's what makes us make peace with each other. And it's what makes us relate with one another to the point whereas we would not want to do anything to anybody that we would not do to ourselves. Exactly. It's, Realizing our interconnectedness. Yeah. Well, they're trying to pull us away from that everywhere they can. You know, big part of that is pornography. I mean, you know, the, uh, uh, the uh, internet is what, what was the last, last estimate? 88% pornography. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, last estimate was 88 to 92% of the internet is, is, is porn. Um, you know, and that's another way of taking us out from each other, you know, replacing three dimensional, even fourth dimensional sexuality, which is energetic and spiritual and bringing it down to one and two dimensional. Okay. Which is just basically getting your rocks off, you know, and that's a vibration, which is more reptilian shall I say, which is more uh, draconian. You know, it, it doesn't involve anybody else. It just involves you and, and two-dimensional imagery. You know, but the tantric masters have always said, you know, take uh, your sexual union to the next level, which is the fourth and fifth dimension. Um, you might think that some of the ascended masters and gurus are, uh, you know, that when, they, when they say that they're celibate, um, that, you know, they don't have any kind of sexual contact. Well, they're having fourth and fifth dimensional sex. <laughs> so, you know, your sexual fields are extremely important. And, you know, you're, you're meant to learn how to transcend them, you know, within this lifetime and take them to, you know, the next loving level. But you have to have another person for that, right? You, you can't, you can't be... Uh, you know, the union between, and I'm going to use uh, heterosexual relationships, so I'm not saying that that's the only kind, but um, but from the standpoint of heterosexuality, you know, there's, there is a yin-yang, a positive um, completion force that is created whenever the union of uh, men and women come together. It's just a, it's a, uh, it's a united force that creates a third force. Uh, Joe Lan Chang talks about this in his book, um, in his different books. Joe Lan Chang, he's been writing books on uh, Tantra for, for decades. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, they're trying to get us away from all of this. We don't, we're not even, I see, I'm, I'm even talking about the advanced stuff. We can't even get anywhere near this because, you know, we used to talk about this a lot in the 90s. 
you know, the 90s was a self-actualization renaissance went on. We were all going to seminars. You know, we all wanted to know more about ourselves. We all wanted to, we all wanted to connect in. We all wanted to do spiritual healing work. We all wanted to do rebirthing. Let's get rid of this crap. You know what I mean? Let's just exactly. Be, and you know, then 9-11 happened. Everybody went, yep. you know, just sucked it right back down. Um, and then COVID happened and it was uh, even more. You know, just let's, you know, let's just get this human co- collective just, you know, just uh, um, focused on and, uh, you know, drenched with, with physicality and materiality, you know. And, what, and they want nothing more than a bunch of clan, reptilian clan consciousness, drone consuming uh, slaves that uh, go to work. Do the work that they tell them to do. Um, they're out for themselves, even though they might have different family clan units, but they're always fighting uh, and they're consuming, you know, out of love that they're telling them to consume. So it's um, well, a primary, a primary element of pornography yeah. is desensitization. Sure. And, and, and violence and, and violence on and television. isolation and the violent uh, video games as well. You know, when I, there was a period where I was working for a sex therapist in New York and 60% of the divorces that were happening in New York state were because of pornography. Well, wouldn't and doubt it. What and nobody, nobody really ever talks about it. And why is that? And, and we're not, I'm not being moralistic. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with porn, you know, I mean, but when it starts it takes you out of the it takes you out of the couple right it takes you out of your union with humanity it's about um, isolating someone and sure. ab- about objectifying the mm-hmm. other and that it's, can be right. a especially woman. with especially objectifying women it, it, well it can be objectifying mm-hmm. a child it can be objectifying a woman it could be objectifying mm-hmm. a man uh, just seeing them as I think the word objectify is the main uh, exactly you know, adjective there. You know, it's, it's, uh, uh, so yeah, I think we're on the same page with that. Um, we've got, you know, multiple, multiple areas of where they're just trying to desensitize us to who we can be, you know, to each other. Um, and the chemtrails come into that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there is a light that, that the end of the Mayan calendar was real and it was about 10 years ago and it was, it was just, you know, the 10 year anniversary and the Gregorian calendar, you know, coming up on that. We went to the top of Haleakala uh, with our kids <laughs> um, in Hawaii, on Maui uh, to experience that. We just wow. wanted to be at a very high point in the, in, on the planet. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there was a, there's, there was definitely due to our position in the cosmos, there was definitely a, a new light that was coming in. And um, that new light has the ability to bring us all closer together uh, to advance our DNA. Because if you don't have that sunshine, your DNA does not, you know, advance. You can't unlock different parts of the DNA. It all depends on the light that you're experiencing from the sun. And if you can block that effectively with chemtrails, which they, Kind of do and kind of don't, um, but they they do it part partially. We're still able to get some of it, but uh, so much more of hu- excuse me of humanity would be enlightened if it wasn't for uh, chemtrails at this point. It would have happened 
you know, a decade ago. So there's so they're working on multiple fronts to uh, keep humanity in slavery, and you know we've touched upon you know several of them right here, right? Uh, just different ways to keep us away from each other in a loving, uh, communal way. And going back to the the title of your book, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the the COVID narrative couldn't have been put forward without this quote unquote germ theory being weaponized. Right. And my book talks about how that got started. And they very much needed people to believe in the ghost story of the germ theory. I call germs ghosts. It's a ghost story. All right. These microorganisms are part of you. Okay. So when you are fighting against them, it's almost like you're trying to kill your own cells. They spring forth endogenously from you. And this is already proven folks this is not just this wacky chiropractor talking to you about this um if you uh, have ever studied dark field microscopy and the and the work of bouchamp and gaston naissance and um those are the two and and, and royal rife uh, royal raymond rife with the court's dark field microscopes you see when you look at your blood you see you see the body in life right that's how and, and Dr. Marizel R.C. in New York, in Mount Vernon, Dr. Marizel R.C., A-R-C-E, is a naturopath who has a dark field microscope, you know, right local here to us. And, uh, and when you go over to see her, she will prick your finger and take a look at your blood, and you will see the most amazing things happening, spontaneous uh, generation of different organisms that, that look like viruses, bacteria, rickettsia, different shapes, um, form from different organelles within your body, within your blood, that are all part of the body's structural milieu. And do we know what it's doing? No, not fully, not 100%. We just call this the uh, microbiome. You've heard that phrase before, right? Mm-hmm. And the microbiome is there to for your benefit, for your immune benefit and for your health benefit. And when we study uh, the your blood under dark field, we can tell, uh, depending on you know, what kind of these organisms are being produced within your uh, within your cellular structure, you know, what level of health you're at, and then uh, doctors can make advice uh, as to whether you're precancerous or whether you are uh, um, pre-diabetic or what. And you can tell it all from just a, a drop of blood and, and where uh, these different uh, somatids have um, what stage of development that they're in. When you take an antibiotic, ladies and gentlemen, what you are doing is you're taking something that is killing yourself. It's against life. Antibiotic. Probiotic, which is, I talk about it in my audio book. You've heard of that, mm-hmm. um, Chris? Yes. Uh, it's probably one of the most important things you can be putting in your body these days, daily probiotics, drinking kombucha, eating yogurt, you know, organic yogurt, that type of thing, uh, helps restore the damage that has been done just in in our daily world. Um, but the germ theory is a farce. And I talk about that in the book. Does it mean that you shouldn't use antibiotics if you have a raging infection? No, it doesn't mean that. It means you should use antibiotics sparingly. Um, I had a kidney stone and I had a raging infection. This is just, you know, April. I had to be rushed to the hospital, have emergency operation to take the thing out. And, you know, the, uh, having everything blocked up as it was, uh, 
if you have if your kidneys are not working and you have urea flowing through you, it could it could instantly kill you. Yeah. Um, and you have different purification processes that are happening there, and the organisms are in there, and they're excreting and respiring, and they create toxins. But when that happens to an extreme level, you got to shut that off for a period of time if you want to save the person's life. And I fully understand that. So there is a time and a place for everything. But when you talk about overprescription of antibiotics for a cold or for a flu or for what people generally take them for, that's you know, complete nonsense. You know, um, you could take 95% of the antibiotics that are in the world today and flush them down the toilet. You know, that they only should be used in very extreme circumstances. So germ theory goes uh, to the extreme of of a ghost story, and these organisms are not like. Uh, what they call the COVID virus and doesn't exist. First of all, um, nobody's ever seen it uh, within any kind of analysis in the germ theory. You have to use dead tissue. You have to stain the dead tissue. So you're looking at a snapshot of something dead and they've never seen that all those pictures you see to see of the COVID virus. Uh, they've never seen that anywhere. And if you see a picture of it, it's been fudged. I can guarantee you it's been fudged. Um, Peter Duisberg, and there are many prominent virologists that will tell you that modern viral theory being portrayed by the pharmaceutical companies is absolute nonsense. Uh, these 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 uh, particles do not do that. They're most likely, first of all, viruses aren't alive. They don't respire. They don't excrete. They don't reproduce. How the heck are they? They don't move. So they're not modal. So how the hell are they going to get into your body? and supposedly take over the entire system. It's, it's nonsense. They don't. Okay. And there are many, uh, we can go over this for another hour and a half about what really happened during COVID, but it's not the story that they told you. Um, especially when we talk about organisms like bacteria, they're there to help you. And uh, you've all heard of the terrain theory, which is what dark field microscopy uh, goes with. And uh, that's, that's the theory of life. Terrain theory is dark field microscopy. That's the theory of life. Germ theory is electron microscopy. That's looking at dead things and taking a, taking a snapshot of something out of time. Uh, and that entire photo that you're looking at under the electron microscope could have been vitally different two seconds before and two seconds after. Okay. So every single animation that you see of, of uh, AIDS and also COVID viruses is complete fiction. Speaking of AIDS, you, you mentioned in the book a concept of AIDS-3. What, what do you mean by that? AIDS-3 is COVID. Mm. So why put the AIDS in front of it? What is the... Because the... it's the same bullshit, different day. <laughs> I mean, okay. And guess who, wasn't, guess who was at the forefront of AIDS besides Robert Gallo? Anthony, Anthony Fauci. Fauci. He yes. was right there as a young man. I interviewed him. He's a he's a moron now. He's a he was a moron then. Knows nothing about patient care. He's a lackey. He and his wife, who run the NIH, they're they're stooges for the pharmaceutical companies, and uh, they're just one of the un, untouchables. You know, they're put there for a particular reason. They've they've played the game. They followed along, and and uh, this is their reward. You know. Um, for the end of their end of their journey, the end of their life. Who knows what it's going to be? You know, after this life, 
and maybe they'll wind up, you know, like Voldemort did, you know, under <laughs> he stole the very last uh, Harry Potter movie uh, with a darkened soul like that, you know. But more um, cruxes and yeah, I mean, and God knows that these people being alive, you know, drinking uh, adrenochrome. I mean, but uh, you know, that's that's going to be something that they'll have to pay a price for as well at some point. You know, definitely. But, you know, there's a, there's, a, I started this conversation by saying there's a lot going on and I like to go to cut to the chase as far as saying, what's the solution? There's only one solution, ladies and gentlemen, get together with your family and your neighbors and stop believing in all of these conflicts. Stop conflicting about gender. Stop, stop conflicting about sexuality. St stop conflicting about, uh, you know, about everything that they're trying to get you to conflict about, you know, just uh, the biggest fear they have is us coming together because, you know, they are of the darkness and, you know, one of us shining in the light is more powerful than 1000 of them. And God, if we all come together, it's just exponential. They just can't, they can't exist through that. And they know it. So, I think that's why they're attacking children. Oh, God, yeah. Well, that's part of the satanic ritual. And uh, it's you know, attacking children and attacking them with gender ideologies at this point. My wife will get more into that. Um, is It's just part of the entire uh, breakdown of society. You know, if your child can't rely on the fact that maybe they're just a tomboy and they're not a boy, right? Or maybe they're, uh, you, you know, you tell them they're a girl and you're a boy. And this is, and this is, there are two, there are two uh, sexes in, in everything in life. And uh, this is the way God made everything. And, um, you know, that um, they feel secure in that, you know, but, and back in the, you know, back in yesteryear, we used to say, Oh, okay. Well, she's just a tomboy, okay. And then she grows out of that, and she gets her hormones, and she's all interested in dating the boys at that point. Today, the teacher is trained to say, "Oh, you're playing with trucks, and you're playing on the sandlight with the boys." You know, at eight years old, are you sure you're not a boy? Now, if a child can't rely on the basic stability of their own sex, I mean, the uh, what that does to their brain and to their psychological. Um, development is just beyond you know detrimental it's just and this is why they're trying to push all of this stuff in the schools at this point and i think i think it's reached a turning point i think people are really starting to look at it and say okay all right we can't go any further than this i mean and i think more and more people are starting to realize it and uh, children have been trafficked um for their blood. Laura Logan just talked about this on Newsmax. Did you hear about that? She got banned. Mm -hmm. She was a regular contributor on, on Newsmax. And she said, you know, there have been all the, and she directly said right on Newsmax, I don't know if you guys heard about this or not, but she said, hey, you know, we know there has been research showing that the blood of children can keep people alive because of the different elements that it has. And, and they all said, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Where are they getting that blood from? Where's the blood coming from? 
And for that, for asking that question, she got banned from Newsmax. Wow. Newsmax is supposed to be like, you know, a hub of uh, First Amendment freedom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she must have been over the target. Well, she was telling it like it is. Because, exactly. uh, you know, this kind of... It's not only trafficking of children, it's tra- it's traffic, it's the, I mean, the organ trafficking um, uh, cartels, I mean, through over, you know, over country lines, you know, through Mexico is, has been astounding, you know, for decades and nobody talks about it. You know, this is when, this is when immigrants are selling their organs to, to donors and paying high prices. And you don't do this without having doctors. Uh, complicit in it on both ends, taking the organs out and putting the organs in. All right. So this has been, this kind of thing has been going on. These kinds of atrocities and people have been going on for, you know, for a long time. And um, if, when, when Trump talked about that, there's a swamp out there, it's not, it's not an ankle deep swamp folks. It's a, it's a swamp that you've been swimming in, that you're just realizing that you're swimming in. It's pretty scary, but you know, at least it's coming to light, you know, the movie The Matrix really comes to light uh, in so many different aspects of our daily lives because, you know, you're, you, you're just kind of coasting along. You realize you have a feeling that something just isn't right with the world, but you don't exactly know what it is, right? And I would think that most people, most of us would, you know, listening to this podcast would, would agree to that. Say, yeah, I just, you know, I've always realized it's just something missing somewhere. And that's the basis of the Matrix, you know. And when the first thing that, that uh, Morpheus says to Neo when he writes to me, he goes, "Have you ever? You know, I, I know you're just feeling that there's it's got to be something more, you know." <laughs> and uh, that's what they're keeping us from at this point. So you know, we're all batteries in the Matrix at this point. We're starting to wake up and realize it being pulled out. But um, you know, there's work to be done. There's and certainly is, work. Isn't it isn't it fas- fascinating that both of the Wachowski brothers have transitioned and are now? I find that fascinating. Female. Yeah. I find that fascinating because, in one way, in one way, it's a metaphor for you know what, this physical existence is just a physical existence, and when you go to spirit world anyway, you can you know. Is there gender in spirit world? If you want them to be, if, if you want there to be, yeah. <laughs> but you have much more control over switching it back and forth if you want to. Um, and it's another metaphor for them just kind of saying, eh, you know what, this is all just a big program. Uh, that's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, I was very surprised that both of them did that. But uh, I guess, yeah, now they're the Wachowski sisters, right? Yes. Yeah. Are they, who knows are if they, they even really did it, right? I mean, are they really, Dr. Trebbing? Are they really the Wachowski sisters? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, uh, to, to be honest, when I, I, I'm not even sure they, I have, was always skeptical that they even ever really did it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I mean, because I wouldn't, I mean, if you're, if you're walking down the street, I mean, would you, if you bumped into any one of them, would you even know who they were? I mean, so it's, yeah. It's like all these people they say they're putting in jail. I mean, you know, it's it's you know, if you if you bumped into Epstein on the street, would you know it was him? That guy I'm looks like Epstein. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh no, he was he hung himself in jail. You know, but there's um, there's a thousand Epstein's walking around the Upper East Side of New York right yeah. now as we speak. Yeah. Well, metaphorically energetically and lookalikes as well exactly well, my wife is standing by here you guys okay, and fantastic. I wanted, yeah 
kind of want to give her her time too. And sure, sure. Uh, is there anything you wanted me? You, any further things you wanted to ask me to close? Well, maybe uh, to wrap up, you can tell the people where they can find you online in your work, and also where they can get your book. And oh, great! Maybe about your new book. New book is coming out. It's called the sequel, and um, all things the sequel, meaning look, look what do we have here post COVID, um, <laughs> and it goes dives more into germ theory, definitely more into spirituality. Uh, a lot of the things I've been talking about uh, with sexuality, uh, sacred sexuality, um, getting back to the human collective, getting back to the heart. Uh, also talking about more of the the lies that we have been portrayed upon us with disease processes and how important this germ theory and uh, the disease uh, mythology, you know, is to uh, portray on people. You know, I mean, what they want is somebody vaccinated up to the hilt, 80 vaccines before you get to college, then have another 12 in college, control your mind, control your body. Mm -hmm. And then they want a controlled death that they can make money off of, of a disease that they tell you you're going to die from at a specific age. That is your life. Okay. Uh, But your life is so much more. And my, my, um, book goes into that part now to find good by germ theory to give you a good start if you haven't read it folks i would have bet a lot of your people already have but if you haven't um go to amazon type in dr william trebing t-r-e-b-i-n-g the book already comes up it's called goodbye germ theory uh if you don't feel like dealing with the devil uh with amazon <laughs> then you can go to uh, you can go to xlibris.com x-l-i-b-r-i-s.com Type in goodbye germ theory and buy it right from the publisher right there. I prefer that you do that, but you know, if you don't want to, you can just do it on Amazon. Well, that's and the I also, link. I'm sorry, that's the link we'll provide to make it easier to Yeah, get. it's actually exlibris.com and then okay. just type in, you know, goodbye germ theory. Fantastic. And uh, I also have a very informative free blog, which I've been putting great information out for decades, and that's called say no to vaccines.org. Say N O T O vaccines.org and if you're looking for a religious exemption easy way out of vaccines you will find it there i have a church called the church of of christ consciousness which has been an underground railroad for helping people get out of vaccines for decades Um, you don't need that you can write your own religious exemption if you know how to do it but this just is the easy route for people excellent Um, and uh yeah that's uh how you find all my stuff online and the book will be coming out shortly and i will uh make you guys aware of it um by the end of the year and uh you know then you could you have a website we do yeah and you can get on the website after that fantastic and we we can have you on again for to talk about that oh i would love to come on again Cool. Well, I hope I didn't talk too much. I didn't let you guys oh, talk. No. Oh my That's god, what... we could have had you on here for three hours just weeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Crow, Crow and I talked about doing a four-hour show, so and people were voting <laughs> all for that. But yeah, because he and I really just start, you know, just getting into the spirit of it all. Just, just, just start, the gateways open up, you know. Absolutely, um, absolutely. But, um, nice talking to the both of you, and I'm going to give you to my wife now, Dr. Julia Treving. All right, thank, thank you, you so much. much. It was an honor and a privilege to speak to you, Dr. Treving. Oh, thank you very much. My honor yeah. to be on. Well, that was a nice double whamming, a double, a double serving of Treving. My gosh, I just want to hug both of them and yes. thank them so much for their work. It's just incredible and. I felt like on some level that was a therapy session for us with <laughs> with uh, Dr. Julia. 
Yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, it was a great idea that uh, Dr. William Trebbing had about having his wife come on uh, when I told him that we were going to do two hours coming on for the second two hours. Um, so yeah, that was a delightful double whammy and they both have their own, uh, areas of specialty and, uh, yeah, uh, the book that Dr. William Trebbing wrote, uh, is fantastic and I suggest that all of you check it out and I'm really looking forward to checking out his new one, which I think is coming out in the near future. So we'll have to have him on again real soon. We'll have to have them both on actually. I'm interested in what he talked about with the dark field microscope. I I want to microscopy. I want to see what my blood looks like. I want to <laughs> delve into the terrain theory and and look at uh, well, my crops microscopy is my germ crops. is germ theory, but dark field microscope is the terrain theory. Mm-hmm. So. I wonder how we can, I wonder if there's a doctor around here that I could give a drop of my blood to and they could look at it and tell me what's going on. Uh, (laughs) Yes, but uh, say no to vaccines.org. If you are interested in connecting with Dr. Trebbing, I would definitely recommend that. I'm going to look into his vax uh, medical exemption because I am, uh, planning on going to Harvard, and Harvard does require vaccines to st- set foot into their campus or even onto their library online. You have to prove that you've been vaccinated. What? I'm yeah. joking about the library online, okay. <laughs> but it feels like that, damn it. <laughs> um, but yes, it was fantastic. It was good. It was great. Um, A little bit of a bummer. Like I started out, my heart was hurting. I was like, oh, God. For for the first hour? Yes. I just thought, man, we're fucked. You're, you're very quiet. <laughs> because um, I was freaking out quietly over here, picking at my lip and I going, know. the world's going to end. What the fuck? He, he, we've heard all of that stuff before. And he rounded it out to what comes down to things that we can all control yeah. and i really think that that's what it yeah. boils down to they both can actually yeah. drew it back to that connection yes um and as i've said um and you have said and and many people that we love and respect have said that it starts with the self-work it starts yeah. with getting to know yourself it starts with uh, being at peace with yourself yeah. and then that reflects out to your family reflects out yes. to your community so Dr. Yes. Julia Trebbing really took that to the family level. Um, yeah. I really like all the stuff that she had to say about that, and I would like to delve more into that with her the next time that we have her on. Absolutely. And I and I really have had to reconcile the mindset that you cannot control people, you cannot convince people of anything, that they're... And I think that's been part of... That's why... I get so anxious is that there's people that I genuinely love and care about who may not make it through this. And I don't just mean like a physical death. I'm talking about mentally. They just have lost the plot and they just want to be indoctrinated. And I've had to let those people go. And I think that's the painful part is just understanding not everyone is on the same path and the same journey that you're on. And not everyone is going to arrive at the same conclusions that you arrive at. And I think that there are degrees of um, 
being able to accept the narrative. I think we mm-hmm. got, we've already been through a few of those degrees, and many people have come out yeah. uh, on the lighter side of that, uh, waking up and realizing this really all roads lead to Rome, and that whether you're dealing with government, big pharma, media, it's all tentacles of the same octopus, and it can't be trusted, and yeah. none of our best interests are in mind. And um, yeah. so it's all, again, comes back to the self, comes back to your spiritual grounding. Yeah. Um, you, you sound like you want to hop in. But what freaks me out is the idea that there are these giant chasms that some people just refuse to connect, meaning they've gone out and uh, received the jab and then they've gotten insanely sick and they just don't want to believe that one has anything to do with the other. Those are de- there's uh, the other degrees. I think things are going to have to get very dark for some people, uh, and then and then they still might not realize what's going on because they're either very trusting, uh, they have no uh, no grasp of critical thought, um, or they're just submissive NPCs who <laughs> are just going to go in whatever direction the powers that be point yeah. them to. But I think it's it's the doubling down of the ego. I think that that what we're talking about is the death of the ego. And there are some people over the past two years who are just not willing to be quote unquote wrong. Yeah. And they're just never, it's on their deathbed. They're just going to be like, I did the right thing. I saved grandma because I got 17 jabs and I have to let that person go. And that's where politics comes in very, very handy because it divides people very simplistically. If we had 160 parties, that would be a much more complicated psyop, but it's really fucking simple. Uh, it's like the Ford and Chevy teams um, of politics uh, that everything can be summed up and, and gathered under these two umbrellas. So it makes it very easy to not want to be the other person because one media outlet is vilifying that one and the other media outlet is vilifying the other side. So that just concretizes people to their sides and sides are so fucking illusory. That's the, one of the main hurdles humankind has to get over. We're all on the same side. There's no sides at all, dudes. It's we're, we're, we're looking in the wrong direction. Look to where the tentacles lead back to. That'll tell you all you need to know. Right. You just went somewhere else. Right. <laughs> Where did you go? Because just then? because I you know, I'm I'm invested in our family. I give a fuck. I don't you know, honestly, and I and I mean this with all earnestness and all sincerity, I don't give a shit if the blue whale at the the gym or at the grocery store. I don't give a fuck if they get it. I don't give a fuck if they ultimately wake up. That's not my deal. That's not my responsibility. What I care about is the people that I love and that I feel connected to and that I feel like are kind of trapped in the middle of all of this. Those are the people that I want to defend and that I want to wake up. But 
the more I try to wake them up, I think the more they they feel like they have to choose. And I don't want anybody to feel like they... I want them to make their own decision. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter what you want because it's going to happen on their own clock anyway. And it's blue-haired land whale. I'm sorry that I ever said I that know. term in front of you because you've used it. And I certainly didn't want to go it to go out on the air as something that came out of one of our mouths. Because I, when I first heard it, I thought it was a pejorative low hanging fruit shot at I knew what was what the sentiment was what was being said but I thought oh, come on now that's not why that person thinks that way it's because they happen to be a certain size or have a certain color of hair <laughs> so sorry I just needed to to quantify that put that on the record um but you can't you can't help those people out you can't help anybody out uh, all you can do is live your life the best that you can and people are either going to look at you and go you know she seems happy she seems grounded she seems like she's at peace with herself i wonder why um perhaps i can learn to do that myself or they're going to say you exist in a fairy tale land and you're obviously don't know how dark the world is. So you keep going on in your illusion. People are going to do with your, with you, whatever they want. They're going to do anything they want with your words and your thoughts and your sentiments. It's, they just have to get there themselves. Well, I think that's probably why I have uh, decided to go into the field of psychology and why I want to become a doctor I think there's <laughs> you know and I'm uh, this is full disclosure I think it's because I I feel I have a sense of what reality is and on some level I probably want to be considered an authority and I want to push back against this woke ideology and this indoctrination that I see. And maybe that's my own form of being indoctrinated, thinking that I need a piece of paper that says that I'm valid and that my opinion matters. But I think that that has something to, that plays a a part in this and a role in this is the, over the past two years, I've watched this, the sea of people say, well, you're not a doctor, so, or you're not a scientist, so dot, dot, dot. Uh, And so I want to be a scientist and I want to be a doctor because I want to be able to say, well, this is what the science says. (laughs) And this is what, you know, what uh, research says and actually be able to do research Um, So I think that 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 plays a part in this. Um, I don't think that any of this is a foregone conclusion and and that it's over and that we're all fucked. I don't want to believe that. And I I think the thing that keeps me going is the idea that there's a, a millimeter of chance that we are all being given in life. And it happens in a second by second measure and you can jump through that door and you can wake up or you can figure your shit out and that's really what I'm trying to do and as you just said I think you can teach by example you can't force people to wake up you can't force people to get it but you can be an example of something and maybe it will inspire someone else to examine their own life and their own behavior, and maybe it won't. 
I think things get complicated when they want to share their their wealth, their prosperity, their knowledge, their uh, acquired wisdom. I think it things get sticky. Things can get sticky because you get the zealous born again Christian who, you know, whatever they did work for them. So they want to go out and shout it to the mountains and it doesn't work that way. First of all, there's a lot of people that don't want to be shouted at. And second of all, maybe that particular brand of whatever it is that positive effect that that had on you is not that other person's way of, of achieving that. So I think, yeah, it's it gets, and I understand the impetus for it. I've been in that state of mind myself where I wanted to share something, a, a powerful experience or a, um, a, um, a profound thought that I've had that it really shifted my perspective. But I, I ultimately know that it, it's not going to do any good. And maybe to the person that cares for you and knows you the best and you can share it with them and they go in the context, the complex context of your, you as an individual that will have some impact on them. But other than that, it's hit and miss. Everybody's, you know, this holograph is, uh, is complex and everybody's got a, their own different angle, even on the same subject matter. Yeah. I mean, I think 16 years ago I, I was trying to do that. On social media. I think 10 years ago, I was trying to do that on social media. I think uh, probably about five years ago, I gave up. <laughs> I was just like, fuck it. it people aren't going to get it. They're not going to figure it out. And I don't necessarily think it's every man for himself or every woman for herself. I just think that the only way that any of this is going to change is if it starts with self-reflection you start mapping your own behavior you start looking at the thoughts that you have the words that you speak what mesmerism you are under yourself and that self-examination is where the change really happens because I know I'm not going to convince anybody of anything I know that people have their own entrenched concretized views of the world and it's up to the individual to figure their own shit out and so my being being the example is just that but it's not now I'm gonna go on the bully pulpit and I'm gonna preach to people I don't think that works all right homie Finally, you got the... Oh, no, come on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We've rambled on enough, I think. Um, don't you think? Sure. Yeah, you feel like you got got it all out for this chapter? I did. I'm okay. I'm a little freaked out by my ACES test, but, you know, I got I got things to work on. Just like karma that may have come from another lifetime or several lifetimes, it's just a hand of cards. Exactly. It's a situation that you are presented with, and you can take it in any freaking way that you want to. And today I took it into self-care, and I shaved my legs. All right. I just, my mind just was just erased at that moment. That's a non sequitur. Um, exactly. 
Thank you all so, so very much for listening. Hopefully you are a Patreon subscriber. and On purpose. And you've got on purpose. You're a Patreon subscriber on purpose. That's really the only way you can be a Patreon subscriber. Unless someone subscribed to you accidentally. You can call in a pizza for somebody and have them prank deliver it, but you can't really. Anyway. You need something. You need a sandwich or something. <laughs> or or a nap, a hammock, hammock time. Fast walk, power walk. Um, hopefully you're a Patreon subscriber because then you get to hear Dr. Julia Trebbing's uh, interview too. It was divided up into two segments, the last one being hers because she had a lot of fantastic things to say also. Um, I highly recommend that. Um, yeah. Uh, Yes. So if you like what you've heard and you have maybe have some guest recommendations uh, or you have casserole recipes that you'd like to send either of us, um, you can send those to the Melt podcast at protonmail.com or if you want to send me a virtual hug, you can do that at hunter-muse at protonmail.com. Are my real hugs chop liver? What's going on here? <laughs> They're free. You have 24-hour access to them. Your hugs are the nectar that I feed and breathe on. I breathe nectar. I'm a <laughs> you're flower. You're a, you're amphibious. I'm a I'm a honeybee. I'm a I'm a bumblebee. You're the bee's knees. I know that. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, love you. Thank you for listening. Yes. There's more great stuff to come. Stay tuned. Oh, you we got won't some regret it. Exactly. We got some goodies coming. Ta-ta. Bye. To hear the full-length version of this episode, get access to exclusive and early episodes, and participate in our monthly Zoom meetups for as little as $3 per month, just click the Patreon link in the episode notes or visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast. Contributing financially will help to make this podcast my full-time gig that I can devote more time to and allow me to create more content. Other ways of contributing would be giving us a favorable review or rating wherever you get your podcasts, subscribing to us on YouTube, spreading the word wherever you and your tribe congregate, or just by sending us your positive thoughts and intentions. In a quantumly intertwined and holographic multiverse, these also go a long way. Thank you.